Welcome back to the lineup. We're coming to you at almost 1 a.m. East Coast time here on October 30th. Uh, I don't have Zach with me tonight, unfortunately, because it's so late, but I do have friend of the vernacular pod, uh, host of the podcast, Josh Goldman. Josh, you and I, April 2005, attended the first game in Washington Nationals history. And now tonight, we're looking at a 6-2 to two final, Game 7, our Nationals world champions. How's it feel, my friend? Oh, man, just hearing you say that is giving me chills. I mean, I, I cannot believe it. So for those listeners of the podcast who don't know, Peter and I are diehard Nationals fans from the very beginning. The very, very beginning. As soon as they were announced to come to D.C. from Montreal, we were on the bandwagon, and we've been there ever since. We have been through some serious ups and downs with this team. We've had oh, it's some, been brutal. <laughs> we've had some absolutely horrible, horrible seasons uh, before. But, you know, here we are, you know, uh, 14 years later, and uh, we've got a World Series champion in the Washington Nationals, and it is it is unbelievable. Uh, Peter, I have to ask you, because I know how I was feeling during the game, but tell me how you were feeling throughout the game. So what what was so interesting about this is, obviously, you and I talked the entire time, and we were pretty much on the same wavelength for it. I was nervous, but what this team showed me this postseason is, even when we were down 2 nothing in the fifth, couldn't even make contact with the ball, is for some reason, I was... Certainly not at ease, but I was excited because you just could never count this team out. It was, boy, this postseason has had some ups and downs. You think back to the wild card game when they were losing in the eighth. You think back to having to come back and beat Kershaw and the Dodgers in two straight. You think about a bizarre sweep of the Cardinals and then an absolute slugfest in this World Series. I just, I have never watched a sports month i mean it's we've been doing this since september 30th at this point in in the postseason i've never felt this where it's been so up and down but at the same time so exciting and i mean there were a couple times during the series i'll admit i i thought it was over but at the same time certain teams just have it and i i can't tell you what it was with this nationals team but watching it in the fifth the sixth the seventh tonight before they finally broke through and then once they did break through it was this this is happening. It was just I I can't even put it into words. But talk to me about what you were feeling and when you actually thought, oh my goodness, as that great office meme is, where Michael Scott is standing there as everyone's running out of the office and he's yelling, "This is happening." <laughs> I felt like that was me tonight. This is happening. Yeah. You know, I have to say, so I was lucky enough to go to the wild card game, and yep. and I was there and I was there with my parents and. And we were sitting there the whole game. The offense was stagnant. Scherzer had given up some, you know, an early home run uh, in the first inning, and then another home run in the second inning. And you just thought, "Gosh, this is just going to happen again." Because you know, people who followed baseball know that the Nationals have not, they have not, uh, you know, done well in the playoffs. They've they've ha- had a first round exit four year four times in the last seven years. And so when the wild card game was was happening this year, I just thought. There's no way that they can break through this. Of course, they had that great eighth inning where Soto, you know, hits a ball into into right field. It, it goes through the the fielder's glove and they, you know, they score three runs. And it was just like, okay, so maybe this is something real that's happening. But then, of course, they have to face the Dodgers, you know, the best team in the National League for the whole season. And somehow 
they, you know, as you said, they beat Clayton Kershaw. They, you know, they they get two runs off of him in relief, and how amazing that was. And so you just thought maybe maybe this is it. But you know, I've always been a pessimistic sports fan. I think this comes from Same having <laughs> rooted for DC sports forever. And, you know, they've just not had a lot of success in our lifetimes. You know, two years ago, we saw, or I guess it was 2018, we saw the Capitals win the Stanley Cup. So you started to feel a little bit of the pressure leave. But, you know, back to when the Redskins won their their championships, their Super Bowls, we we were little like we had no recollection of of that. And of course, they've been in in misery ever since. So to have a team like the Nationals that just kept fighting back, you know, tonight during the game, I was thinking, I kept thinking to myself, like, okay, you know, they're down. But I had this thought in my head, and I just saw one player in particular on the Nationals, like, celebrating in my head. And I don't know why I thought that, but I couldn't picture the the Astros celebrating at all. And that player was Ryan Zimmerman. And I yep. just saw Mr. him. National. At, yeah, I just saw him at first base, just, you know, throw his glove up and jump into the air. And it wasn't exactly like that when it happened, but he was, you know as joyful as someone could be, you know, tears coming down his face and, and just ecstatic that the first draft pick in nationals history was now going to get to be on their world series team. And I think throughout, throughout the whole game, that's what I wanted more than anything was for people like Zimmerman who has been through, you know, a player on these horrible, horrible teams that the nationals have fielded to go all the way from that at the very beginning to now to a world series was just incredible. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And what a lot of people forget is it was guys like Zim who spent a lot of this year hurt. But we go back to that wild card game that you were at, and I'm sure you actually remember it much better than I do since you got to watch it in person. But what set up that incredible rally that Juan Soto eventually got the big hit in was Ryan Zimmerman batting when everyone thought he should come out for Estrubal Cabrera. That's it's right. a broken back single that somehow bloops in behind second base when he looked overmatched the entire at bat and you just look at this team. And I love that you brought up. He's Mr. National. Who's been with us since the first draft we ever performed. And it was the homegrown talent of this team. Yes. They made some huge pickups at the trade deadline this year. Mike Rizzo, who I've never been a huge fan of has made me eat crow. Like I never have before with this team, with what he was able to put together. It's pretty good tonight, huh? It, it tastes great. And you think about Ryan Zimmerman, Mr. National, who could retire at any second at this point. You think of Steven Strasburg, the World Series MVP, who is the first player in history to be the number one overall draft pick and the World Series MVP for the team that made him the number one draft pick. That's pretty crazy. And, and you look at the guys like Anthony Rendon, who's, who's obviously a young guy. But the Nationals did this with talent that they've been evaluating for years. And we have been a tortured fan base for 15 years. We're not anything like the Cubs were for over 100. But it's been a long 14, 15 years for us watching this team and watching these draft picks and watching the guys like Bryce Harper walk away and watching the guys like Zach Greinke, who was beating us for a lot of time tonight, turn us down because we weren't competitive. And finally, we got it. And yep. I, we have. all I could think about tonight was you and I standing at miserable RFK stadium while George W. Bush was throwing out the first pitch. And, and that was just, we did it, man. Like we did Unbelievable. it. So I have to ask you, I think there's going to be a lot of questions about, you know, AJ Hinch managing this game on the Astros side. Was it a mistake for him to pull Greinke in this, in the seventh inning? I mean, I, I think that the reasoning that the the announcers Joe Buck and John Smoltz kept giving were was that 
they, they wanted to leave him in. They didn't feel like they could. But Garrett Cole, their ace, wasn't ready because he's a starter. He needs more time to warm up. But it just seems like that is a bad, bad thing you're going to have to tell the press and have to have to de- deliver to your fans. Yeah, I, I I'm actually waiting for AJ Hinch's post game to, to hear how he how he defends that. But you look at where one of my biggest arguments with Davey Martinez was, and Zach and I talked about this two weeks ago when I was in Colorado with him, is Davey was so obsessed with playing the matchups and not going with his gut for so long. And that really changed in the Nationals clubhouse. And what I saw tonight was A.J. Hinch appearing to play matchups that the second Grinky gave up the home run to Rendon, he thought that Grinky had lost control. And then you see the walk that he gives up to Soto, a left-hander next. He's got another righty walking in uh, with um, with Howie Kendrick. Um, and to me, A.J. Hinch played the matchup. And that's why he gave Greinke the quick hook there. That Greinke was also only averaging about four and two-thirds this postseason. He was not supposed to be one of the horses at all. So I think A.J. Hinch was honestly viewing it as, as kind of borrowed time, and he didn't want it to snowball. Obviously, it did. Uh, but I have to assume that he was playing the matchups more than he was playing anything else. I thought Greinke, even in the walk to Soto, and and you might disagree with me. I didn't think he looked that bad. I mean, it was what a a, a six pitch six pitch walk that he yeah. wasn't particularly close on with anything, but he didn't look out of control. He just it was kind of the old intentional unintentional walk to Soto. Like he wasn't going to give him four. He he wasn't going to give him four free passes, but at the same time, he wasn't going to give Soto anything to hit. And I he, thought it didn't look like an thing. out of control at bat. I thought the exact same thing. And and Granky only had 80 pitches when he left. He yeah. was he was cruising. I, I don't think we can overstate that. He was on cruise control until Absolutely. he gave up that home run to Rendon. And even after that, I, I'm with you. The walk to Soto, he got he got a bad he got a bad ball call on a ball that should have been a strike. But other yep. than that, you know, it was the, the the pitches weren't close, but but it didn't look like he'd lost control, like you said. And then to not have you know, Garrett Cole ready to come in and you have to turn to their other, you know, reliever Harris who gave up a two run home run last night to Rendon and then gave up a two run home run to Howie Kendrick. That is just not going to sit well. I mean, like they didn't even have Ozuna up who is their best reliever, even though he's a terrible person. I should just put that <laughs> on the record, <laughs> but, but he didn't have him up. So, so you come in with a guy who's been pretty good, but, but couldn't he threw five pitches gave up a home run and then gave up a single and then he was out of the game. And it was like that, that is going to be hard to stomach if you're an Astros fan. Yeah. He, he took a one hitter into the sixth, right? Is what I'm thinking. That's right. That's right. And that one hit was a hard hit ball by Juan Soto, but immediately erased by a double play. I mean, it's, it's funny. We're all going to remember this game is, I mean, Max doing Max things, but Max Scherzer labored from like the second pitch in the bottom of the first until he came out and good on him. You know, he's not feeling a hundred percent, but it's just incredible how max labored and max will be remembered as the dude who turned in the gym and not Granky who threw a one hitter into the six who honestly had one bad pitch. Yeah, exactly. And that's what, that's what ended the Astros. Honestly, I think it's, to your point about Davey Martinez playing, you know, with his gut versus matchups, you know, him leaving Patrick Corbin in for three innings was, was pretty, that was, that was, those were some stones there. Cause yes. I think, I think you and I were texting back and forth and saying, you know, should he pull Corbin for Hudson and then do little in the ninth? And, and, you know, Patrick Corbin is, he's got an excellent slider, but only if he locates his fastball well. And when he first came into the game tonight, 
he threw like three straight fastballs that were inside or outside. I can't remember if it was a right or left-handed hitter, but you know, like if those aren't locating, he does not have his stuff. And, you know, Davey, to his credit, stuck with him. Corbin gave up two hits and went three innings and looked pretty good when he finished up. I, as, as a fan of Patrick Corbin, you and I, the only nationals game I got to this year was to Patrick Corbin bobblehead night where they infamously lost in 18 innings at home on Saturday night. Um, but Patrick Corbin, Howie Kendrick, this postseason was a month of redemption for all these guys on the Nationals. Corbin got absolutely shelled earlier here in the World Series, and he came back and had those three amazing innings tonight. Corbin got absolutely shelled playing the Dodgers and then oh, came man. back in Game 5 absolutely. And, and shut them down. Howie Kendrick committing errors left and right in that Dodger series, wins it in the Dodger series as the MVP of the NLCS. Huge game tonight. I mean... Name me a player who we got mad at. You and I got mad at this postseason who didn't find a way to to redeem themselves before it was all over. It was, it, it's, it was almost like a movie in, in terms of how much kind of the yin and yang was working itself out. Whether it was the interference call last night that Rendon then comes up and and delivers a huge hit, or you watch any of these moments where it just for the first time in our fandom of this team, it worked out. It's it's just incredible. It is really fun to be on on the winning side of yeah. things, and and I will say that my wife Maureen, who is my co-host on the podcast, she woke up, she fell asleep a little bit during the game, but she woke up for the ending, and she said, you know, I always feel bad for the for the losing team, and I turned to her and I was like, you do not feel bad for the Astros, they won two years ago, they don't need this, we need this, so I'm really happy that we're finally on the winning end of a major championship, you know, for a sport like I, I'm a, I, I could get behind the capitals. I, I like them, but hockey is not my favorite sport. And to me, what this postseason, this 30 days of like intense baseball that we got to witness, what it reaffirmed for me is that I just love the game of baseball. And I think it's, it's one of the best games out there and it's so fun to watch. Um, you know, it's especially fun when your team is in it, but this was just good baseball. Like, even if you weren't a fan of one of these two teams, if you're a fan of baseball, what what's not to like about a seven game World Series that is competitive every single game, pretty much? Absolutely. Absolutely. And what what was so fun about, I mean, this run, just like you're saying, it was not many errors committed really stellar pitching with just really clutch hitting to counteract that every night. I mean, we saw a couple games where the final score was eight to two, seven to two, but those games were close until the seventh inning until they blew open. Exactly. It's, it's interesting. I think the only complaint that you can really have if you're a fan of baseball is these games were long and you and I talked about it. They reached four hours. Nothing ever started before eight Oh seven. I mean, you have 12 year old boys around the world who are either going to be super tired at school tomorrow before they go trick or treating or had to go to bed before it was over. So I don't really know how major league baseball fixes that, but I, I think when they're airing the world series and I'm glad on the West coast that it aired so late, but these, these have been a commitment. I am so glad we won, but I'm also a little relieved that the postseason's over because I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired too, man. I, I'm totally with you. I guess the only other thing we could say about the World Series is we we will have to have a longer conversation about the umpires at some point because there were some questionable calls that went both ways tonight that, you know, Absolutely. if you're a fan of the Nationals, you were thinking, what are those, you know, especially on balls and strikes, you were thinking, what are those calls? And there were some generous calls that the Nationals got as well. I think uh, our our good friend Zach, the other uh, regular co-host of this, said, you know, if it goes both ways, it's okay. 
Um, and it did seem to go both ways tonight, but there were some generous calls on both sides. I, I think you and I are in agreement. There will need to be a fix for that at some point. We don't know exactly what that's going to be. And I think we should have a longer debate when we have Zach on here too, because he has a, he has an alternative opinion about this, yep. but you know, I think I'm, I'm what I'm happy about is that it didn't define the series. It could have, you know, had the game gone differently last night, but I'm glad that hopefully that'll just be a footnote in the, in the rest of this. And, you know, we can just enjoy wearing our World Series gear. I, oh man. The amount That's of right, t-shirts Peter. I'm going to buy is going to be outrageous. That's right. I, I said World Series gear. You and I get to purchase oh, Washington Nationals World Series gear, and it's going to be amazing. So are you clearing your schedule for a parade here in the next few days? I mean, yes. I, I, I might be looking at flights here before. It's only 10 o'clock here on the West Coast, so I still have at least an hour and a half, two hours of adrenaline that I got to work off before the. Yeah, I'm like, how am I supposed five. to go to? How am I supposed to go to bed tonight? It's 1 a.m. here on the East Coast, and I, I'm like, how do I go to bed? I'm I like know, jazzed. It's, it's it's something. I mean, it's it's this weird feeling of closure that sports never gives us. I mean, you and I don't root for the Patriots. We don't root for the Yankees. We don't root for any of these teams who are just dominant year in year out. Even the Red um, Sox now nowadays. I know. With, with like four World Series in the last, you know, 20 years. I know. It's just, it's special. Um, I, I'm a little jealous of you, the, the sports year you've had. You obviously had your Cavaliers win it all in basketball. We had the Cavs last summer. You got the Nationals now. Um, for Pretty exciting. What I always think about uh, before I let you go is Scott Van Pelt, one of my favorite guys on ESPN, whenever he hosts um, his uh, Midnight Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt, he always does his one big thing. And I will always remember when the Caps were down three to one in that first playoff series in 2018. And we all thought that they were toast like the Capitals every year. Scott Van Pelt, who's a diehard Caps fan. He's an Orioles fan, but he supports the Nationals, loves the Redskins. Um, talked about how being a DC fan, and he also brought up college teams, specifically your Virginia Cavaliers and my Virginia Tech Hokies um, and his Maryland Terrapins, and talked about how much of a tortured fan base DC is. And that was less than 18 months ago. And now we have the Caps, the Cavaliers, the Washington Mystics in the WNBA, and the Nationals. I mean, That's the pretty karma crazy. train is turning. DC has been a rough place here for a few years, but it's it's nice to finally be on the winning side. Um, the credit card isn't going to appreciate it, but Lord knows I am. <laughs> exactly. I will say, you know, the World Series is in the books. 105 days till like pitchers and catchers report. So we have several months to enjoy this before the Nationals and Astros meet back up in West Palm Beach in February. Pretty exciting. Sounds like we might need to look at some plane tickets. You got oh, a birthday yeah. in February, right? And we're actually going to celebrate it this year. I You're do. Leap yes. your baby. And I will have a real birthday this year, so couldn't be better timing. Man, oh man, the big eight for you, right? That's right. Oof. That's right. We I might will be officially eight. Person. Absolutely. All right, Peter. <laughs> this has been so much fun, and uh, I'm so I, I. It's really hard to put into words how exciting this is, but I'm glad we got to do this. I, I'm if if for nothing else, even if no one listens to this, we'll at least have a memory of our immediate reactions after this amazing win. Yeah. What a ride it's been for you and I. I'm, I'm glad. I wish we could watch it in person, but what a ride. What a ride. All right. Thanks to everybody for tuning into this special emergency podcast on the lineup. And we'll be back soon, probably talking about robot umps versus regular umps. Perfect. Have a great night, Josh. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Bye.